This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2. On this episode, we'll be talking about imposter syndrome, that insidious little voice that, if left unchecked, can do untold damage to your business. We'll be covering how to recognize imposter syndrome at work, the unexpected perks of that voice, and how to stop the, oh my gosh, I am a complete fraud spiral when you're in the midst of a crisis. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. It always surprises me to hear when successful artists and business owners share that they struggle with imposter syndrome. Like, surely, not you. You're at the top of your game. How on earth could you, of all people, doubt your abilities? Look at all that you've done. How can you look at any of that and think that you are not 100% qualified to be exactly where you are? Imposter syndrome is the feeling that your successes are somehow a fluke. Like, it's only a matter of time before people find out that you've pulled the wool over their eyes, that you are a fraud or a charlatan who has somehow just gotten lucky so far. And it's this looming feeling that it's only a matter of time before that luck runs out. For some people, it is a crippling fear that never feels far from the front of their minds. And for others, it it only flares up on occasion. To be clear, I'm not talking about situations where maybe you made a genuine error or you provided poor service and then you got some bad feedback. And rather than learning from the situation, you end up in denial. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's not imposter syndrome. That is a matter of needing to humbly recognize where you went wrong and then work to make things right. Imposter syndrome could be prompted by an error that you made, sure, but Imposter syndrome is when your brain then takes that and warps and draws in conclusions from whatever error it is that you may or may not have made. Or imposter syndrome could be prompted by a situation where you didn't make an error, but where you're drawing incorrect conclusions anyways, and then you end up believing those incorrect conclusions and acting in a way as if they're true. Like by playing it small or not taking a step that you would have taken because all of a sudden you believe that you are not qualified. When you haven't learned to recognize imposter syndrome for what it is, it can be incredibly damaging. Because the thing about imposter syndrome is that it can feel like a voice of reason. It can feel like your conscience. It can seem like your brain is trying to work for your good, trying to protect you by providing you with a realistic view of a situation, which you don't realize is actually a distorted, warped view, not at all true to how a scene looks to other people. A while back, I got some feedback that set off a ferocious imposter syndrome spiral that threatened to consume me for days, actually weeks, if I'm being honest with you. (laughs) It was someone had expressed some disappointment with work that I had done, and despite hundreds of satisfied clients and 13 years of running my own business, the tailspin inevitably began. Thoughts like, this I mean, this was my actual thought process. I'm not a good photographer. Scratch that. I'm a total fraud. I'm a bad business owner, actually. I can't believe I've been telling people I'm the best in my field. If I were really the best, I wouldn't have received this feedback. Oh my gosh, I have fooled so many people into working with me. Should I give them all their money back? Wait, what about all of my students? How can they trust a teacher who's not actually qualified to teach? And on and on. 
It was so ugly. I began to second guess every decision I had made about that project, even though I was as confident as I could be that I did the best job possible in the given circumstance. I circled the drain over and over, ruminating on past clients that I had served and whether they were actually as in love with their photographs as they professed, or maybe were they just saying that they were happy because they didn't want to tell me the truth? Every time I thought about the situation, my heart rate increased. I could feel my blood pumping harder through my veins as my body attempted to deliver more oxygen throughout my system because... Something in my body was was signaling to my nervous system that like we are in distress right now. Like my stomach would tighten and I felt like I was going to throw up every time I thought about the situation. And then one day I stopped and I thought for a second and I took a look around. I was actually at an industry event uh, at the time, one that several of my clients were attending. And I looked to my left and there sat a client who loved my work so much that she's hired me five times to shoot for her business. And there in front of me, there sat another client who'd hired me multiple times, whose soon-to-be-published book is chock full of my photographs. Oh, and there's another client over there who's gotten a ton of use out of what it is that I shot for her. And then over there, there are two more people who've expressed a desire to work together as recently as like yesterday. So how could I sit and let one interaction throw my entire career, a 13-year career, throw that into doubt? When I was sitting next to so many wildly talented business owners who deemed me worthy of working with, it didn't make any sense. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation and learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. Here's how to tell the difference between imposter syndrome and a voice of reason. Imposter syndrome speaks to you like a bully, and a voice of reason speaks to you like a friend who wants what's best for you. If the words that you're speaking to yourself, whether out loud or in your head, if they are things that you would never say out loud to somebody that you love, it's probably imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is cutting, unkind, and wants you to play small. And it's not because you secretly hate yourself. It's actually because your brain is trying to insulate you from risk. In its own warped way, imposter syndrome is trying to protect you. 
Maybe you're venturing into a new niche and imposter syndrome is telling you there's no way anyone's going to hire you for that. It's because whatever niche you're looking at exploring, it's unknown territory that you're stepping into and your brain can't see the other side. So it's attempting to hold you back so that you're safe from danger. The part of your brain responsible for assessing and reacting to risk, the amygdala, it has a hard time differentiating between the risk of a new business venture and the risk of encountering a wild rabid animal. This was an article from Wired. Quote, the amygdala is responsible for processing base emotions that come from sensory inputs like anger, avoidance, defensiveness, and fear. When an animal, lizard, bird, mammal, even you, hears or feels something that's a potential danger, the amygdala is what reacts immediately. It's what causes adrenaline and other hormones to be pumped into your bloodstream, triggering the fight or flight response, causing increased heart rate and beat force, increased muscle tension, and sweaty palms, end quote. This is your fight or flight reaction, and your primitive amygdala cannot tell the difference between truly dangerous, like physically dangerous encounters and perceived danger. Have you ever been in a car accident and then you found yourself triggered later on by the sound of screeching tires or breaking glass, even if you weren't in a car when you heard that sound? Your logical brain knows that you're safe, but your, uh, as one of my business coach calls it, your lizard brain doesn't get the memo. Fortunately, we have the benefit of the neocortex to help us reason through those knee-jerk reactions to danger, whether they are real or perceived. This is, again, from that Wired article. Quote, We humans have a completely different pathway to cope with analyzing risk. It's the neocortex, the more advanced part of the brain, and it only appears in mammals. It's intelligent and analytic. It can reason. It can make more nuanced trade-offs. It's also much slower, end quote. That last sentence, it's also much slower. So when we encounter risk as business owners, your amygdala will often kick in and shout, danger, Will Robinson. It wants you to abort the mission because it is not sure that you are safe. And your imposter syndrome kicks in and starts shouting about all the reasons why you need to abandon ship, drowning out all of the good intentions of your slower neocortex that is trying to help you see reason. (laughs) One of my clients, the endlessly kind Michelle Perry, she is a fine artist and an author, She talks about inviting her imposter syndrome to breakfast, how rather than immediately dismissing outright everything that imposter syndrome has to say once we finally recognized it at work, that we should take a moment to listen, to consider what fears and concerns are driving the train and to explore where those came from. I will admit that I am not naturally inclined to kindness towards my imposter syndrome because of how much distress that it causes me. But the fact of the matter is that imposter syndrome isn't some outno- like unknown outside evil force that has somehow wormed its way into my brain. Imposter syndrome is my own brain, my own thoughts at work, treating it like an outside force almost gives me permission to abandon any attempts to wrangle my thoughts and gives me permission to simply build up walls, to run away, to insulate myself instead of learning to process the thoughts and those emotions with clarity. When imposter syndrome rears its ugly head, it can do a lot of damage if I don't catch it early on. It can keep me from trying something new and that prevents others who might benefit from the new effort from ever seeing its fruit. Like when I began to step out of weddings and into brand photography, there was a voice in my head that told me, you don't have a degree in marketing. You've never taken a course in brand photography. 
because none of them existed at the time. Like, who told you you're allowed to do – who told you you're allowed to call yourself a branding expert? If I had listened and let that hold me back, there are so many of my clients who would be missing out on the incredible, one-of-a-kind, never-before-seen type of work that we've created together. There are 600-plus students who would never have had the chance to enroll in Brand Photography Academy and change the trajectory of their own businesses and support their own clients and their own families. When we listen to imposter syndrome without considering the source, when we mistake it for a voice of reason, there are potentially hundreds, maybe thousands of people who stand to miss out on whatever is waiting on the other side of risk or whatever's waiting on the other side of a decision or a dicey situation. Your family, your clients, your followers, they need you to be able to recognize imposter syndrome at work so that you stop gatekeeping your own success before you've even started. When you catch yourself in a downward spiral, here is my manual for walking through it. And like, I am kind of an expert on this because it happens to me a lot. Remember when I said at the beginning, like when you hear your favorite artists or your favorite leaders and they tell you they've struggled with imposter syndrome and you're like, surely not you. I've admitted this before to some of our students and they're like, what? And I'm like, yes, it happens to everyone. It doesn't matter how high you climb the ladder. Like imposter syndrome is there waiting in the shadows. So when you catch yourself in a downward spiral, this is how I recommend walk. This is my manual for walking through it. So number one. Stop for a second and consider, how am I speaking to myself right now? Would I say these words out loud to someone that I love and respect? If not, it's probably imposter syndrome at work. Call it on the carpet right now. Remember, imposter syndrome tends to be cutting, unkind, and belittling. Number two, I want you to examine what prompted this sudden turn towards head trash. Is there some kind of big decision that you need to make? Was... There a comment made by some other person that made you feel small? Was there negative feedback that came in or maybe some kind of disappointment? Helen Henley is one of the coaches inside the mastermind that I'm part of, and she did a talk on imposter syndrome a couple of years ago that was so helpful. I actually went back and re-listened to it as I was prepping this episode just because I love how she described like what can cause an onset of imposter syndrome. And she said, Imposter syndrome is more likely to occur when you're pushed beyond your comfort zone, so like when you're taking a risk, or when you're feeling overstretched or overwhelmed. And this is helpful to recognize because you can begin to spot patterns which will help you recognize the situation faster in the future, sparing you from that spiral of self-abasement. Step three, look at the facts and write down a list of things that are true. Please do not skip this step. I know this sounds kind of woo-woo, but like I am a fact-loving girl and this is one of the most helpful, this is the most helpful step of the whole thing. Look at the steps, write down a list of things that are true. Not opinions, but cold, hard facts. Like I have six returning clients who've booked for this year so far. Truthfully, would a client keep coming back and rebooking you for new shoots if they didn't think that you were qualified. I mean, people do a lot of stuff when they feel bad for you, but that's not one of them, much less six clients who do that, right? So keep a Google Doc or a note on your phone if you have to. I have a Google Doc labeled Truths with a list of some of the successes that I've had in my career. And it's I want to be clear, it's not to puff up my ego. I don't go read that list of documents to make myself feel awesome, I use that list to directly combat the lies that I begin to tell myself when I'm in the spiral. 
Step four, listen to the people around you. Stop dismissing their praise and positive feedback. We've talked about negativity bias before on the podcast, and that is the tendency to, the human tendency, everybody does this, to give more weight and consideration to negative experiences than to equally heavy positive experiences. Like how we ruminate more on that one dissatisfied client than we take encouragement from the 99 other thrilled clients. So, Yes, maybe take your mom's positive feedback with a grain of salt. She's your mom after all. But what about all of the other less invested people who have loved what you've done for them? Your clients who have been thrilled with the services that you've provided. They're not being paid to tell you nice things. As a matter of fact, they paid to tell you those nice things. Would they do that if they didn't genuinely want and benefit from what you offer? Stop throwing their positive feedback in the trash in favor of the stuff that makes you feel like garbage. It's like how when my husband tells me I'm beautiful and my reaction used to be kind of an eye roll, like, yeah, well, you have to tell me that you're married to me. But like, wait a second, doesn't his opinion matter the most? He's married to me. Isn't he the one that I should most care about thinking that I'm beautiful? Throwing his opinion away in favor of someone whose opinion matters way less to me. Isn't that an insult to my husband? Or maybe you have kids and your kids tell you they think that you're the best mom, but you instead of judging based on their opinion, you judge based on the opinions of some random person on the internet or a mom influencer that you follow on Instagram. We do this with our businesses too. We allow input from outsiders to carry more weight than that of insiders because of that pervasive negativity bias. And I'm just going to call this what it is. It is disrespectful to the people who know you best. It is disrespectful of the ones who are most qualified to speak to and about your business. So stop it. Number five, once you've reminded yourself of what is actually true and you are out of the spiral... That part is key. You cannot be impartial when you are spiraling. Now I want you to consider, is there anything to learn from this situation? Amidst all of the garbage that you are throwing at yourself, could there maybe be a kernel of truth that's being distorted by fear and rumination? Maybe it's a yes, maybe it's a no, but I want you to at least ask that question again once you're out of the spiral. I believe that as artists and entrepreneurs, we are more naturally inclined towards self-doubt because what we do feels so intensely personal. And I'll also say that if you're a female and you're listening to this, I think this is harder for women than it is for men. I think that because of the way that we were raised and the examples that are put before us and the way that women are spoken to about accomplishment and achievement, that we are more inclined towards self-doubt and imposter syndrome can find its way in there a little bit more easily. That's another soapbox for another time. But because what we do is so intensely personal, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time examining our offers from all angles. We've considered our strengths as well as our weaknesses. So when imposter syndrome pops up, it's easier to believe that it's simply that voice of reason that wants what's best for you because it's vocalizing all of the fears that you've already been harboring in the darkness. But when you can learn to recognize the pernicious voice, sometimes helpful, but typically pernicious voice of imposter syndrome, and when you can separate that from what reality actually tells us, you're going to find yourself able to glean gold from a potentially negative situation that other people will completely miss. And you're also going to find yourself more equipped to stand firm in the face of adversity the next time around because you're not leading with your emotions, which are volatile and subject to change on a daily, sometimes minute-by-minute basis. 
You're going to be leading with your head and more specifically with your neocortex, a much more trustworthy guide than your lizard brain amygdala. (laughs) Your homework is this. If you have a persistent voice in your head telling you that you are a fraud, I want you to create a Google Doc, name it Facts, and list out all the truths you can think of that directly contradict what that voice in your head is telling you. For me, just writing out that list calmed my heart rate substantially. And if you want to take it one step further, my business coach actually recommends repeating those truths out loud to yourself as often as needed. If this episode resonated with you, please do me a favor and drop me a DM on Instagram to let me know I am not alone in the spiral. Find me at Abby Grace Photo. I'd love to hear from you. One of the worst things I can do when I'm going toe-to-toe with imposter syndrome is to do it alone, and not because misery loves company, but because sometimes we need someone else to lift our chin and tell us that we're not seeing ourselves clearly. Coming up in the next episode, I'm sharing the five unexpected lessons I learned while running 19.3 miles through Walt Disney World. Spoiler alert, most of them are centered on the idea of measuring success and how to stop intentionally setting yourself up for failure. You do this a lot more than you probably realize. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?